0: Hi, I'm Louisa Boa-Taylor, and this is Future Food, where food trends and new technologies converge. There is a systemic change occurring in our food system. In this podcast, we speak to entrepreneurs, investors, chefs, farmers, and others defining that future. In this episode, I speak to Nadia Alhadiri. She is the founder and CEO of Why Food, which is a community-driven media company focused on food tech. They also host the London Food Tech Week, which is taking place in May. To find out more, uh, go to whyfood.com. My conversation with Nadia was great. Uh, She is also a Brit. We talked about a lot of different aspects of the food industry and food tech, including the challenges around uh, online retail, uh, how her own food preferences have changed since working in food tech since 2013 what makes a successful food tech entrepreneur, and we also hear about her crazy moonshot idea that both of us are hoping maybe not so crazy. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Hi. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. So where are you based, Nadia, and what did you have for breakfast?
1: Uh, I'm based in London. I'm actually in southwest London today, um, and breakfast was a smoothie. Oh, lovely! Is that what you have every day? I'm actually more of an avocado on toast person, but <laughs> recently I've moved in into the world of smoothies. Oh, right! How's that working out for you? Um, it's actually it's actually doing really well because I've just like basically got this new system of just shoving tons of almonds on top of my smoothie. So it's basically half a bowl of almonds with fruit on the top. Delicious, um, and it works out really well. So you feel it's like you've really got a bit good. more
0: substance there than just pureed yeah fruit. yeah
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um great, yeah, and do you, are, you fe- great. <laughs> are you feeling sort of uh side effects like positive health benefits from that
1: yeah i i so yeah i'm finding that i've got huge amounts of energy at the moment i just like this crazy cleanse at the end of the year um and have moved more into like a raw based eating diet not completely Not i'm not a hundred percent focus with and it, it has up my energy so that's great oh that's brilliant well that's
0: what I was going to ask you what how would you describe your food pres- preferences
1: um so my food preferences at the moment are, are, are primarily vegetables and, and 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 raw um but that's, that's not always been the case that's, that's a new thing for me um but I have always been a lover of avocados and broccoli <laughs> so I so you, are you a vegetarian? I'm a flexitarian, so I'm a part time vegetarian. I know that lots of people will be like, Oh my god, that is not even a thing. But I think I think it is a thing. I, I, I hit being a vegetarian for five, six days a week. Hm.
0: Mm. Yeah, and no, I think I'm reducitarian is what we're calling it, um, in our household. You know, a what? A what, what? a reducitarian. A reducitarian. So kind of reducing okay, I'm one of the <laughs> amount of meat. Yeah, exactly. Um, great. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, have you always wanted to work in food? And can you
1: tell me a bit about your background? So, um, like, I come from like a family who's well, my grandparents worked in food. So, my grandfather was a greengrocer. My grandmother ran um, a, a pub. Um, so, they had like a big food background. And the rest of my family went off and, went off and set up businesses in other, other areas. Um, and I got a job. When I came out of university, <laughs> so I ended up working in, in finance for I think nearly ten years of, of my life. Um, I worked in, in capital markets for a lot of the big investment banks, so in the trading trading floors and sales desks, and, um, and very much you know fast paced and numerical. Um, but I always knew that really deep down I'd like to work in food, so I'm glad I ended up here. Uh, that's great. And so, how
0: did you come to start Y Food?
1: So I think it, it comes down to the fact that I always wanted to work in the food. I I mean I always say that when when you're a trader in the city, there's two things you spend most of your time doing. A dreaming about how the hell you could get out of the city and B <laughs> uh, planning what you're having for lunch. So my two dreams merged, Um and I found that was uh, the, the best thing to do is go out and try and set up a food business and so I actually I left 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 um, in banking and I was and I was working um setting up a broken business and I decided to join a food tech company to see if I could learn about the food industry by volunteering my time. So what I learned is at that time it was really, really hard to set up um, a food tech company. It was really hard to combine food and technology. Um, so I set up a meetup called Food Tech Wednesdays, which we actually still run today, um, and put up a sign that basically said, if you're a food tech founder, come to the pub on Wednesday night and we can see if we can solve some of the challenges of merging food and technology together. And um I think over 30 people turned up. I'd expected, you know, six average people with average food tech companies, and and 30 people came up. And some of those people that turned up over the first few months were some of the leading food tech founders in in London now. So, um, the likes of Ben, who's one of the founders of Farm Drop, and um, he at a time was trying to get people to pick up food directly from farmers to the pub, and it turns out Nobody in the UK wants to pick up food from the pub because of everyone's just really sees the pub as a drinking area, not a food collection area. Right. Um, so they fundamentally changed their logistics now, and that works. So yeah, that's basically why food was born out of this community that I started running on the last Wednesday of every single month. Brilliant. We're going to about nineteen thousand now.
0: Nineteen thousand that are going
1: to the meetups.
0: Not to the meetup. No,
1: no, that would be a very, very big venue that we mean nineteen thousand <laughs> in the YP community. <laughs> no, sorry, I
0: meant nineteen thousand people have attended some of your have, have attended meetups in the past.
1: I think over the last few years we've had over nine and a half thousand registered attendees across our bench. Fantastic.
0: That's great. I remember when I started um an agriculture investment meetup when I was um, back in the yeah. UK and I had about six people came on the first time. But I think actually, for agriculture investment as a niche as it was back in 2013, that was pretty good. That
1: is really, I was going to say—where was that in 2013? That is really good. Most people didn't even know what that was, it right? Was even aware. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Agriculture investment. I know. I remember when I went into it, and my my sister said, "Are you going to be writing about fertilizers?" <laughs> I was like no no there's actually a lot more to it than that Um, it's about the future of food obviously which is what this um, (laughs) podcast is called so um, it'd be great if you could it's quite a big question but I have been asking all the guests this and I think it's quite fun to sort of get everyone's imaginations going Um, you know if you were to think about what the future food system would look like in 2050 what are sort of two or three key features that you think will have changed from today?
1: So I think there's a few areas that, that, that we're going to see huge changes in. I think we're going to see way more transparency, a huge reduction in waste, and like more personalization. So to put that into context, I'm walking down the street. Uh, we're in London, Louisa. I've just bumped into you. we decided it's a nice, hot, hot, sunny day. We're going to go and have lunch together in the park. My aka new version of a Fitbit, which is also linked to my personal DNA profile and my microbiome intelligence and et cetera, et cetera, weight goals and my personal preferences for meat or not meat or transparency in terms of sustainability link into uh, our, our, our digital apps and we both make our personal food choices. And they arrive to us within the next 30 minutes and I'm eating what I'm eating and you're eating what you're eating. We're having a lovely conversation at the park. And when we're done, we just drop all the packaging into a bin, let's say, and everybody someone comes in and picks it up um, and it gets washed the next day or something that completely reduces the packaging waste. And so it's really going to be I want it all. I want it now and I want you to get it for me and I can have my own choice around that.
0: Brilliant. That's great. And so it could be anywhere in the city. I like the idea of that. So not just to your home.
1: Yeah, literally. Anywhere. No. We just bump into each
0: other. Uh, I love it. And I mean thinking that's interesting, thinking about farm drop. So for those people that don't know farm drop, it's um a farm to table, farm to consumer e-grocery. Um, a bit like we have over here, we have Food Kick or Fresh Direct in the in the US. Um, and so what were some of the challenges that he that he talked about in terms of that sort of logistics model? Just thinking about your vision and how that could Become reality, uh, yeah. What are some of the, you know, the logistical challenges that you think maybe some startups think, are starting to address?
1: Yeah, I think that like 100 there are there are logistical logistical challenges within the food industry. That's been one of the biggest things we've started is to see people look at how how that's going to be addressed. And I, I think it's, 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 there still is challenges in that space, but we're definitely seeing a lot of innovation solutions coming forward. So anything from huge growth in click and collect um uh into like couldn't collect from like actually not fixed location venues so stuff that's maybe movable or um maybe lockers that um can be heated or can be chilled based on what type of product you want to pick up and uh accessible via your phone or your app um looking at um like aggregated delivery systems and models um Yeah, so I think we're going to see huge, huge steps in terms of what's accessible to us as consumers and when. And what do you think about consumers, you know,
0: you know, back in the day, I say back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, but, you know, you'd go to Sainsbury's or Tesco's and do your weekly shop and you'd want to go to that one place and do your one-stop shop. And now, obviously, with the the advent of more and more online shopping, you know, I will purchase my meat from somewhere, I might purchase my staples from elsewhere. What are you seeing in terms of, you know, shopper preferences for where they buy their mm-hmm. um, goods from each week
1: yeah i i think we've probably always had that preference it's just not been an option for us in terms of i I think people have always wanted to have their you know best piece of meat or their xyz vegetable but actually you know accessibility and affordability has been a, a, a problem or barrier in that in that space um, and actually you're actually right. With the new models that we're seeing, application technology, and, and different logistical structures, we're seeing the option to, I guess, decentralise where we're shopping our food from and make things more local or give you more personalised preferences and choices. So yeah, it's, it's exciting because um, it means that everybody can come to the the table and actually um, be a small producer that is um, got a got a life got a life um, serving our food.
0: That's fantastic. So, you built, um, you created Y Food. When was that? What year was that?
1: Mm, so, Y Food was officially formed in 2016. Um, so, uh, we started Tech Wednesday in 2013, um, and then London Food Technique in 2015, and then formally quit everything I was doing um, and a focus uh, in Y Food in 2016. So, we've only been around uh, a little while.
0: Fantastic. And can you tell us a bit about, um, you know, exactly what the big food tech week that's coming up uh, next month, what are we to expect?
1: Yeah, so food tech week, it runs over five days and it's the biggest food tech festival in the world. It drives, you know, thousands of people through its doors. Um, And it runs over five, five themes, so each day has a theme which allows us to bring together all the right, right people. So, for example, this year, Monday is home, because so looking at all the technology and innovations and trends that are fundamentally changing the way we're cooking and eating at home. Um, so, if you think um, Gen Z live in a virtual world, supposedly, um, well, they do, and we're starting to see them spending more and more time within the home um, and having less need to leave the home. And then also the fact we're having uh, an aging population. So again, we're staying in our homes for longer. What does that mean for food within the home? So we're going to be answering those types of questions. Um, Tuesday is looking at food and drink. So looking at the production and manufacturing of food and drink um, from both a health perspective, but also an ingredients perspective. Um, you know, What is the future of plant-based? What are the types of technologies we're going to be using to manufacture and produce food? Um, Wednesday is looking at shops. So the future of retail um is that bricks and mortar is it the types of systems that we were talking about earlier so um is there a future for a farm job and what does the supply chain look like in terms of transparency and the way an apple will be traveling from the farm to to your door these days um and then wednesday is out so looking at the future of hospitality and eating drinking out so um Helping restaurants and hospitality look at ways to be more efficient, or maybe reduce uh, the wastage that they're experiencing, or how do they actually get more consumers into their into their venues if that's a suitable thing that they're looking for? And then Mm -hmm. Friday swap and party. So as a day, startups can look into investors and uh, industry, uh, as well as experts. And in the evening, there's a big party.
0: Brilliant. I'm looking forward to that pit particularly. Um, but how has the yeah. event, how has the subject matter, you know, changed? If you think about how, when you arranged it back in 2015, what were the main topics you were covering then?
1: I can't even remember what we were covering in 2015. I think... <laughs> I know. I, I do. I, 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 can, I, can, I, can, I think what I remember more than the exact subject matter we were, we were covering in 2015 is more stuff around um, everybody else's reaction. So, um, for example, um, this year we have a, 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 a significant number of venture capitalists involved in London Food Day Week across various different platforms and i remember in 2015 i went and knocked with having come from a finance background i went and knocked on um all the these stores and i remember their response food tech what 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 is food tech isn't that delivery and then mm. followed by delivery so done so there was so many uh, errors in those sentences it was unbelievable i mean first of all food tech is obviously way faster and more, uh, and more dynamic than just delivery, but also the idea that delivery was done is also just, just, just you know, crazy. now yep. people are suddenly catching up with the idea that it it is still in growth. Um, so, yeah, so I think that probably highlights
0: yes, how different definitely. things
1: have have become.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the number of attendees that you're uh, expected to have this year compared to 2015, how's that changed?
1: So, the growth of number of attendees is is probably not as high as you might think because we did drive 2,700 through the door in 2015, which is the first ever free tech week. But the way we structured the event is is different and the quality of um, the audience is even higher than it was before in terms of really trying to think about a week that brings the right people together to be able to actually connect and deliver real business value. through. And I think the other thing that is probably a big difference is, um, from Food Tech Week, it's not just YFood that runs the content. We actually invite our community to, to apply and host events during London Food Tech Week. Um, and so that helps us keep um, the content more targeted, um, create smaller formats that are more dynamic, that allow networking and allow the right types of people to come together. Um, mm. And actually, it's really interesting to see the types of organisations that are hosting those community events this year. So for yeah. First of all, some of the startups that would have been really almost non-existent or tiny in 2015 are now the the main hosts and and, and, uh, providers of those community events, as well as uh, some of the leading like sort of um, investment banks and and companies around the world.
0: That's really cool. I love seeing that where the, you know, you knew them as seed stage, very early stage startups and now they're the Mm -hmm. leaders in the industry. Um, that's really cool. And seeing how these events, you know, go from telling people that this exists, you know, food tech is something, um, to now actually looking at how can we do this well? How can we bring the right kind of money in? How can we solve the specific challenges around the industry? Um, that's a really interesting progression. Yeah, that,
1: yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think it, it is a really interesting progression. And actually, I, I, now you're saying it, 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 the size of the food tech companies particularly in London and, of course, around the world this year versus where they were in the last two or three years is, is, is hugely hugely different, which means we've seen uh, a massive increase in the diversity of the types of investors that are, are joining us this year. Um, in the past, it's only really been sort of early stage or seed level seed or, or Series A-level investors that will be able to get involved in conversations around C-Tech Week, and now we're seeing everything up to a sort of sovereign wealth fund level um private equity and and you know all sorts of stuff because these companies are growing so quickly and making a huge impact and everybody's interested in what's happening
0: yeah so i was going i want to ask you know what have been some of your biggest challenges in building the business and it sounds like a little bit at the beginning was just getting people to take food tech as an industry seriously um but what other challenges have you faced
1: yeah, I think that's, I think that's definitely right. we did, we just it is hard to get people to take food tech, initially it was food tech seriously. I think probably really similar challenge. the other times probably really similar challenges that anybody would find when they're building a business, particularly something that doesn't already exist. Um, first of all, it's convincing other people to leave their jobs and join you. <laughs> so that's, um, that's a challenge in itself and, and, and buying into your vision. Um, it's. Making sure you've got the right funding to, to keep your company going and get and get enough traction um, to continue to be able to raise investment or to be able to fund yourself through through revenue. Um, I think probably some of the other challenges we faced were we, we were really we were we really knew that um, that the way the current like event models or. Media-based models work. The food industry didn't ne- necessarily um, about really driving innovation in the food industry. We were we were like hugely focused on that, and we felt that if we were going to these events, it needed to to, to we for us it was about community building, and we felt that. If we're going to use events as a community building, it has to really deliver true value to these organizations to make them want to be part of the community and continue to contribute to the community. So we actually turned um, every traditional conference and events model upside down on its head. And that was a huge battle. So it wasn't just about trying to convince people that food tech was something they should be listening to, but it was actually trying to convince people that actually this is the new way an event was going to be done and it was going to add tons of value to them. So a lot, a lot of phone calls a lot of phone calls, a lot of talking to people. Um and that was a huge um, investment and resource commitment. But I think it's actually paid off because this year we managed to put two technique tickets on sale. Um and without announcing a single speaker, we sold over seventy percent of the tickets we sold in twenty seventeen. Um which is unheard of in the events model and that's just down to our community recognizing that we add direct value to their business and that way we structured our events are really, really different to your standard sort of conference. Um mm-hmm. and so people come regardless
0: which is what mm. we want to see mm, definitely and um so you've talked a bit about how you're uh, a flexitarian now um just keen mm-hmm. to know you know how you're working in food and getting so involved in the food tech arena has impacted your food preferences and if you think it's related or if you think you're just you know following the trends that you might be doing it otherwise
1: no it's definitely related i just found that um you know, when you start looking at the detail of what's happening in the food industry and the challenges that we are facing, and of course, you know, there's huge opportunities of solving challenges with technology. But actually, one of the conclusions you reach very, very, very quickly is that if I just ate less meat, and if I made sure I didn't waste as much food, um, then that, that would be contributing and everybody would be able to contribute towards the food ecosystem and the world in that way. And so it's really, really hard to focus and work in this industry in the way we do and stand on stage and talk about all the opportunities and technologies and trends that are going to potentially solve these and then when there's a really obvious uh, choice that you can make personally that has direct impact. So yeah, I think without having wetness I may never have moved in that direction
0: Mm, mm. the one about food waste it's really hard with food waste isn't it and you look in your fridge and you've got some sort of wilting parsley (laughs) And my husband always gets <laughs> cross with me because I'll, like, base a whole meal around this bunch of wilting parsley. And I'll call him up and say, can you go and buy this and this and this? And he's like, so you've just asked me to buy every ingredient other than parsley for this <laughs> recipe. But I feel so guilty that that's it, what I end up doing. Do you do anything crazy like that, too?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried um, wrapping your parsley in, like, damp, um. Damp- uh, no. Pitch and roll with, uh, with tinfoil in the top. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my heat's so fresh up. longer
0: changer. I have actually started freezing my <laughs> herbs a little bit as well i um, yeah, I was can gonna say the alternative is
1: freeze them. Freeze mm-hmm. them, definitely. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I have to so say the food racing. I was I was brought up in a household where well my father is uh, half North well, my father is North African and my mum's Irish. Um, so a little bit of an interesting bit, but I was definitely brought up in a household where we were not allowed to waste food. So mm-hmm. um subway uh, dates are not something I've been taught to to. to to, to no, really though, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, and so I do know a lot of techniques on how to keep your food at pressure for longer. Oh, good. Um, and that is one topic. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you.
0: Um, okay, so we're gonna do a hot or not round now with some uh food mm-hmm. trends of the moment. So you can just tell me hot mm-hmm. or not. Um fermented foods. Hot. Gluten free. Not Why not?
1: Well, I just feel like free trend means like it's like starting and about to get bigger. I feel like it might be a stop.
0: Right. Um, Plant-based meat. I think I know what you'll say to that. Hot. Robotic cafes. Hot. Do you have any of those in London yet?
1: Uh, Coming. Not allowed to talk about them.
0: (laughs) Oh really? Oh, interesting. Um, Alcohol-free drinks um hot uh pokey bowls i don't know if that's a trend is that a trend not no i think it wants to be a trend it wants, it wants to, to be, be <laughs> a trend <laughs> but
1: um, i think what have been talking about that being a trend for like five years
0: it hasn't kicked right off. It's yeah not very okay so it's not that's <laughs> it uh meal kits this is a bit of a bit of a difficult one for some people yeah i'm i'm
1: struggling because like it's hot because there's definitely still growth in it but not because it's definitely something we've seen a lot of. right mm. yeah yeah I'm I'm in middle ground what is the word middle ground
0: that's <laughs> not yeah. <Mott>. yeah perfect
1: <laughs> <laughs> um insects oh I, I'm not sure um Does I'm it... gonna go hot I think it needs a bit more innovation in the product and obviously needs some regulatory changes to be able to support it Mm properly.
0: Drinkable meals, you know, like a a Soylent or a Huel?
1: Um, Not for me. Hot for boys, I think. They seem to think that's a good idea.
0: And then CBD-infused anything, chocolate? Hot, hot, hot. Are there any food tech trends that you think are mad?
1: Um, that's a really good question. I'm sure I've lost things. Do you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do that anymore because I feel like um, not words, not words. Word, I'm sure that I felt like actually, this is a really good example. I, I saw the concept of Olio, which is obviously um, for those of you that don't know. It's um, a, a platform that allows you to put um, any sort of leftover. Um, Excess food produce that you might have at home, and, and get those redistributed in your area um, to somebody who might need it. Um, I saw that concept like come through our Meetup that Wednesdays, like over and over and over and over again, and I just never bought into it as a concept until I met Sasha and Tessa, who are the founders of Wario. And the day I met them, I don't know if it's the way they talked about it or the way they positioned it, or and it was exactly the same idea. I just knew that they were going to make it work. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 and I, and I think if you'd asked me before I met them, I would have said it was, mad, it was a mad idea, and I just never met the right people to um, put, bring it, take it forward. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit wary now about saying about things. could never, never, never. Because it could be the next like, unicorn.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
1: yeah, absolutely. But, that, but <laughs> that's on it. your podcast. Really.
0: <laughs> it's recorded, so everyone will know that you were wrong um but it um <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting that you're saying they were the right people to do it what do you think are those qualities mm. and just thinking about you know giving advice to budding yeah. food tech entrepreneurs out there
1: so we've actually and, and over the years I think that's just one of the things that in terms of like personal learning or learning for myself and, and then the rest of the team and being able to learn as an organization is learn how to identify in terms of what the founders beyond the idea Like the idea is it's course, it's hugely important, but the, the team that's going to execute it and deliver on it are, are really, really important. So I think there's a few things that, that we see that work. Um, so first of all, um, passion, and, uh, and and it sounds to me, but actually real genuine passion and understanding of the, the problem space and why you're, trying, why, why you're trying to solve it in that way. Um, second of all, career history, like have they set something else up before? What types of businesses have they run before? What did they do in their previous lives? It, it really does make a, a difference with experience in business. Um, third of all, ability to fundraise. So if you already see them in conversations with investors or they have already raised some money or they have an idea of how to go about and do that, that really, really helps. Um, and then the fourth thing is just sheer tenacity and resilience to, to, to stick with it. And I think that's linked to a passion. Mm-hmm. brilliant do you think we're missing anything
0: that we should be looking out for um no i think that covers a lot of it yeah that's great um okay well to sort of finish off now just one more big question if you had a moonshot idea for the future food system what would it be
1: I always say this, and it's completely ridiculous. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but bear in mind, like avocados have been my breakfast for most of my life until I moved to <laughs> smoothies, and my mum used to feed me mashed-up avocado. I would like a hydroponic fridge in my kitchen that grows avocados. So if anyone knows how to do this,
0: amazing! Right, that's a challenge, right there.
1: Serious money. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've asked loads of people on hydroponics to do it. No one knows how.
0: And it tells exact the exact ripe, perfect ripeness yeah. when you open yeah. it because yeah. there's nothing yeah. more you, frustrating than if yeah. it's should... underripe or overripe.
1: No, <laughs> I know. And even in Waitrose, if they're perfectly ripe avocados, which is Waitrose is a big supermarket in the UK, they have a perfectly ripe section which you pay a lot more money for your avocado to be perfectly ripe. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Oh, that's
0: that's just rude. <laughs> Um, <laughs> brilliant. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and really excited about um, next month. Uh, I will be there on day three, everybody, I think, right? <laughs> the retail day. Yeah, day three on shop. Shop shop, shop day. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much and, and looking forward to it. You've been listening to Future Food with me, Louisa Burwood-Taylor. For news and insights on the food tech and ag tech industries, go to agfundernews.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.